Hi, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are closing out our four-week series, Taking a Look at Worship, this week. Just a reminder that you can get the other installments of this series by heading to our webpage, ccgf.org sermons, or by downloading the Christ Church app, which is available on Android and iOS devices. In today's message, you will be hearing from our associate worship pastor, John Walton, and our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, as they discuss how worship is something that happens not just on Sunday morning, but is actually a lifestyle. Thanks for listening. We're in our series. I encourage you, if you have your service sheets, we're in uh, Romans chapter 12. It's right in your service sheets on page 2. Let me read this scripture to us this morning as we kind of culminate our, our series this morning on worship. Uh, before we turn our attention next week, it's going to be a great week. Urban Impact's going to be here, Urban Impact Sunday. But this is our last week as we look at worship as a lifestyle. And it says in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as you've been with us the past few weeks, you know we've been bringing up our worship pastors here at Christ Church, so you can hear their hearts. Uh, a few weeks ago, we brought up Brad, and, uh, and then we brought up Michael Knob, the director of our choral music over in the, in the sanctuary. And I would like to bring up John Walton. You know John. Give John a hand. Welcome him to come up here this morning. And uh, John's usually worship. He was just uh, worship leading over in the sanctuary at 10, and uh, he's in here from periodically from time to time. I've asked John to kind of talk a little bit about what worship really is. So, John, take it away. Well, good, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It's, is it morning? Yes, it still is. I've been up since 5.30, so <laughs> anybody want to join me? <laughs> well, I, I want to start off by um, reading one of my favorite scriptures. It comes from, it's uh, Psalms 150. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I want you to do a little exercise with me. Um, Just indulge me a little bit. I want you to breathe in and breathe out. Come on, everybody. Breathe in and breathe out. Guess what? You qualify. Because that scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. So um, early in the mornings, I I get up early in the morning sometimes, uh, mostly heading to work, and uh, I hear the birds chirping. Uh, We have an owl near our house, and I hear him hooting and doing his thing. And um, I declare that um, this scripture is for real, that let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So um, with that, I only got a sh- few minutes here, so I just want to share some things, some golden nuggets from my heart. Um, we have been learning a lot from this worship series. I hope you have also, um, that it's renewed your mind, gave you a new sense of um, what, what it really means to worship God. Um, one of the things, in order to understand a lifestyle of worship, I truly believe that you have to understand what worship is. And worship has three aspects. One, first of all, it must honor God. 
We worship a lot of things. You know, if you don't worship God, you're going to worship something. And I bet at about 1 o'clock today, uh, some of us, I guess I don't even have to say it. I saw some smiles. We're going to go to our next sanctuary and, <laughs> and watch some, some football. But, um, but we're here to honor God and honor him. Second, it is directed toward him. And third, it requires involvement. And that means it's an action. It's a verb. It's not something you just sit and, oh, okay, I'm worshiping and I'm just looking around and just watching everybody participate. Scripture says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. That's an action. And they came up and took hold of Jesus' feet and worshiped him. They did an action. The scripture we just read, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So it honors God, first of all, because he created us and we worship him. Second, it's directed toward him. And since it's directed toward him, I've come to the understanding that it's not about me. Worship is not about me. And the reason why I say that, if it was about me in my humanness, I wouldn't be up at 530 in the morning on a Sunday morning, especially with winter coming. I wouldn't get out of my warm bed. Would you? <laughs> if it was about me, I wouldn't come here on Thursday nights to rehearse and, 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 and present God with excellence. If it was about me, I wouldn't meet with the pastoral staff and the team, our creative team, and try to plan out, well, what is God telling you, Pastor Jarrett, so that I can use the instrument of music as a tool? Because that's the one thing you need to know, that worship in and of itself is not music. God's given us the instrument of music to enhance worship and to be active in that. So those three things, if you don't walk away with anything, please walk away with that. And for the last thing, my final thoughts are, I want to give you an analogy of uh, just some things I was thinking about. I've been married for a glorious 22 years. I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old daughter, and I'm so grateful for them and their lives in, in, in my life. And many people say, boy, you don't look old enough to have a 20-year-old. Well, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Um, so what I want to say is, imagine when I first got married, if I would establish these rules. Now, women, don't, 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 don't show up, shout me down just yet. If I establish this rule that, honey, we will communicate. And it's exciting because we're going to communicate once a week for an hour and 15 minutes. And during that time is when we can talk and communicate with one another. So, so I established that rule. Okay. And then the next would be during that time, I would listen, but I really wouldn't actively listen. So now the guys are perking up going, mm, all right, this sounds pretty good. No, no, hear me out. Okay. I would just kind of ah, nod my head. Yeah, that's great. You know, but then I would perk up when she says something that I don't like. And I say, you know what? I don't like that. And I come up with this diatribe of, of, of things that I think how it should be, the way it should be. And um, can you imagine the type of connectivity that we would have or the lack thereof? And then lastly, when that conversation is over, remember that hour and 15 minutes that I maybe participated 10 minutes in is over. I get and I walk away and I think, hmm, for the rest of the week, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm going about my way, doing whatever I want to do. I know I have this appointment every Sunday at one for about an hour and 15 minutes that I have to endure. So I say that just to say that 
Sometimes we treat God that way. We, we live our lives Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, and we come here on a Sunday with an expectation to have an encounter with God without having an encounter with him throughout the week. So to understand the living the lifestyle of, a worship, um, of worship is to understand that there has to be, this is a two-way street. There's a conversation that we have to have throughout the week. And there's many different ways to do it. I'm not telling you my way is the best way, but I will tell you that I, in the car when I'm going to work, you know, I'll pray. Now, I do pray with my eyes open because God's with me, but he's not driving the car for me. But I'll say, God, you know, this day, I need you in my life. I need you to um, guard my words. I need you to guard my heart. Um, I may be having some difficult conversations with certain individuals and things like that. Lord, protect me, protect this conversation, be in, in the midst. When I'm driving on these dangerous highways, um, trying to get back and forth to work, um, Lord, protect me, be with me. And that's the simple conversation that I have with Christ on a daily basis. I don't wait till Sunday morning to say, okay, I'm here now. And I don't just pick songs and mm, let me go down the list. Okay, that's the song that we're going to do this week. Um, I allow God to utilize my heart. So all I want to impart with you is um, live a lifestyle of worship. And also remember, come out tonight so we can take that time to honor him and worship him. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time you've given me. Always great to hear from our worship pastors because they're the ones leading us in worship. And it's good to know that they're not just picking songs at random, that they really are living out a life of worship. And I love what John said. It really needs to happen throughout the week. Uh, John was the one who actually said uh, to me, we were having uh, lunch uh, a few weeks back, and he said, you know, some people will say they didn't like the songs that we picked on Sunday. There was one or two songs that we didn't pick, or he'll get an email and say, why didn't you play that song? And one of the things that was revealed to me, too, was, you know, if we're not worshiping throughout the week, and we come Sunday mornings, and we have 15 minutes, then yeah, we're going to probably be disappointed, because in those three, four worship songs, there may not be one that we like. But if we're doing it throughout the week, it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. It's throughout the week. Worship is a lifestyle. That's what we want to talk, communicate to you all. As we go, as we talk about worship, some people go, how do we worship? Worship happens as a lifestyle. You know, I was reminded this week as I was looking at this uh, of, a, of, a, of a saying that I, that I saw. You know, there's, there's always those church signs that you see, those, those churches that have the signs out, that have kind of the, the pithy little Christian sayings on them. Okay? We all drive by them. I drive by one uh, my way uh, home every day. And it's a, it's a sign, and they'll put kind of like a, kind of a fancy quote to get people to come in. I want to come in sometimes just to go, who thought of that? Because some of these things uh, are, are crazy. I wish I could take pictures while I'm driving. Probably not the best idea. Here's a couple of them. Here's a couple of them. One of them was, uh, seven days without prayer makes one week. Okay? Uh, God expects spiritual fruits, not religious nuts. <laughs> Choose the bread of life or your toast. I don't know what series they're going with on this one, but it's forbidden fruit creates many jams. Give the devil an inch and he'll soon be your ruler. Uh, my favorite one that I saw at uh, one point on this church sign was, Our Sundays are better than Dairy Queen. Um, but there's one that I came across that, I, that I, I remember seeing. 
and it stuck with me, and it's and it still to this day stuck with me. It, it's this. Fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. Now, when I first saw that, I drove by and I thought, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's got to be the dumbest thing I can think of. That's like saying 80% of the time it works every time. But then I got home, I went, you know what? I think they're on to something. Fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. In other words, it begins before you get there on Sunday. It begins throughout the week. It begins as soon as we leave church as well. It begins before it begins. It's constant. It's not such a dumb quote after all. You know, we've been talking about this series on worship. You know, and many people will, uh, we've, we've kind of touched on the idea, why do we raise our hands? We raise our hands because we're raising our hands up in, in praise because we realize what, what he's done. It's a humble thing. Some of us don't want to raise hands. That's okay. Some of us do want to raise hands. That's okay too. We're talking about what is praise. You know, and John just talked about the fact that we can praise in various ways. We can praise with, with, with singing. We can praise with dance. We can praise in various ways. Psalm 98 says, Shout for joy to all the earth. Make the make joy, song with music. Make music with the harp and singing and a ram's horn. And I talked about a few weeks back about how praise is really different than worship. We use them interchangeably all the time. We use the word praise, worship, singing interchangeably all the time. That's okay. That's okay. But you've got to understand that, you gotta, that they're all different. Singing is an act of praise. Singing is one aspect of praise. You can also play an instrument. That's another aspect of praise. Praise is also different than worship. Praise is easy to do. Praise is something that we come in on Sunday mornings and praise. We could sit there, we can stand, we can raise our hands, we can praise. We can come tonight, and I encourage you, you need to be there tonight, and praise. We give praise because it's a thanksgiving. It's something that we can easily do. We give out praise all the time for all kinds of stuff. Praise is easy. Worship is not. Worship is harder because it happens throughout the week. Worship is a lifestyle. You see, it goes beyond praise. It goes beyond praise. We can give praise out all day. But worship means we're, we're going to follow you all the way. We're going to do anything you ask us to do. Our minds, our bodies, our actions... That's worship. That's worship. Worship gets to the heart of who we are. Worship gets to the heart of who we are. You know, I love what Romans 12 has to say for us. Because it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your, this is your uh, proper worship. And if you understand Romans, you understand why this is there. If you look at your, look at your passage, if you have your uh, Bibles or your service sheets, that very first word is so important to us. Therefore. Why would he put that in there? Why does it say therefore off your bodies? Because you have to understand what Romans 1 through 11 says. We don't have time to go through Romans 1 through 11, but it's really the discourse on mankind, who we are, what we've been, who we were before Christ, what Christ has done, what we are because of Christ. It's the perfect, if you ever want to go through a, a theology class, you look at Romans 1 through 11. Because it goes through the entire thing of what man is, that we're dead in sin, and that because of our sin that we, we deserve eternal punishment, separated from our Father. But Christ came and died for us. That's why we get some of the passages from Romans 3. Uh, Romans 3 is a passage we use all the time when we're sharing our faith and what Christ has done. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, that, and, and are justified freely by his grace through redemption. 
that came through Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, what happens in Romans 1 through 11 is Paul goes through all the different stuffs about man, about who we were, about grace, about the idea that we were dead in our sin. And now we're free from the bondage of that and what that looks like now that we've been transformed, now that we have a different mind. And then he goes right into chapter 12. The very first verse is, therefore I urge you. Therefore I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Some of us come on Sunday mornings and think we did our praise and worship and that's it. You know, growing up, one of the things that, some of you know my story, but I grew up in a... In a um, Christian home. I went to a Christian school and I remember my parents telling me about, about what it means to be saved, that I have sinned. There's nothing I can do about it. Some of us come from a works mentality that if we do good that, we're, that we can be free of that. And it has nothing to do with that. It's all about grace. And I remember making a commitment when I was very young that I was going to commit my life to the Lord. I asked for forgiveness. I asked him to come into my life. So I'm saved. It wasn't until I was in high school that I really felt like I started worshiping though. Because I, went, I, was at a, I was at a retreat, and I remember the speaker uh, looking at us and going, you know, some of you come and praise, and you'll sing praise, but you don't live it out throughout the life. Nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know that you have a relationship with Jesus. No one would ever know. Because you're not living it out. You come, and you, you, you spend an hour and a half in, in praise, and then live however you want to live. Trying to pursue goals and dreams that you want to pursue. It's not worship. You've done well at praising, but not so good at worship. We have to understand what Romans is saying here is that worship is a lifestyle. It happens throughout the week. Worship happens. Worship begins before it begins. So how does that, how does that, how does that happen? How do we worship as a lifestyle? Look at verse 1. First off, our bodies must be given to God as an act of worship. After he says, therefore, he says, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God's done, in view of everything that just happened, everything that I just talked about, about our, our sin and what, what Christ has done, we've got to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. Now you say, offer your bodies as a sacrifice. This is worship. Some of us are looking at our own bodies and going, ha-ha, uh-uh, that does not look like worship to me. Some of you are looking at your spouse and going, No. If I was God and you gave me that, I'd say, forget it. Now, talking about our physical bodies, it's what we do with it throughout our week. You have to understand, when you look at Romans 12, this is why I encourage you, we've got to be reading our Bibles, because Romans 1 through 11 talks about the doctrine of man. Then in 12, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then in Romans 12, a little bit later, what's it talk about? Spiritual gifts. That we all have gifts to be used by God. We all have a mouth. We all have eyes and ears. We all have hands that we can do to serve the Lord. That's why John Piper said, worship is an inward feeling and an outward action that reflects the worthiness of God. Affects the worthiness of God. Are you living your life as an act of worship? Are you doing things and serving as an act of worship? Would anybody look at you and know that you had a relationship with Jesus? That's why we we talk about all the different uh, avenues to get involved here in serving. Because we want... You to be used, we, whether ushering or greeting, or maybe you're in the cafe or in the children's ministry, the youth ministry. 
I love that we're starting this hope recovery here at Christ Church. Hope recovery, as Robbie talked about, is for addictions, people that are going through alcohol and drugs. That's a wonderful couple in our church that said, you know what, we've gone through that stuff. We have no theological training. We don't know how exactly what this is going to look like, but we know that we've been saved through it, and we want to help others as well. That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. Are you worshiping? Is your whole body a life of worship? You know, this has been great to uh, be in this series because I, we always get a lot of questions about worship. And somebody came up to me uh, just this past week and said, you know, Jared, I'm really struggling with this idea of worship because you guys keep saying that God created us to worship him. And they, they said, that's the most narcissistic thing I could ever think of. That God would create people just to worship him. That he creates us and that we automatically just worship him and serve him. How narcissistic is that? And I thought, I thought about that for a minute. One of those deep theological questions. And uh, I thought, you know, if it was automatic, yeah, it would be narcissistic. If we had absolutely no decision-making process in this thing to worship God, then it would be narcissistic, that we just automatically worship God. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. We offer our bodies. Look, it says, offer your bodies. And the King James says, present your bodies. In other words, we do it voluntarily. We do it because of what he's done for us. We do it in response, in thanks. That's why we do it. That's why we worship. That's why we live it out. We offer our bodies because of what Christ has done. The other thing I love about this, it says, uh, your spiritual act of worship, if you have your service sheets or your Bibles, your spiritual act of worship. There's a great word for this in the Greek, okay? You'll get this in a second. The, the, the Greek word is logikos, okay? Logikos, which is where we get the word logical. In other words, because of what Christ has done, the only logical response is to live out for him. That's exactly what this is saying. Because of what he's done, because he saved us, because we are dead in our sin, the only resp- logical response is for us to live out our life in worship. Live out our life in worship, using our gifts to serve him. That's why we do it. It's a logical response. My question for you this morning is, are you doing that? Church, are you doing that? Is your whole life, everything that you are throughout the week, a life of worship? I love what John said. You know, he's going to work. He's got a, John actually, he, he works here part-time. He's got another job outside of this. And he, he's going to work and asking the Lord to guide him. Use me where I'm at. Are you using your bodies to worship the Lord. Secondly, not only are our bodies going to be given to God, but our minds do as well. Our minds do as well. Look at, look at the uh, second verse there. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, if you don't have a relationship, this is where it gets difficult. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then your mind's not going to be renewed. You're never going to want to serve. You're never going to want to your, use your gifts to serve him because your mind's not there. Our mind is what controls our actions. I love, if you ever come to a, a Friday morning, we have a great men's Bible study. Friday morning's here. And Bruce Bickle leads that study. He, he has a saying that he, he's kind of drilled into the men's. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits, your character. Your character, your destiny. Some of us 
are so focused on what we want to see happen in life or the, the accomplishments we want to see that they, we think that's going to find, give us joy. That pursuing certain things, certain jobs, certain uh, uh, luxuries in life will bring us joy. We think if I had a better marriage or if I had better children or if I had a better career, that would bring me joy. But we understand from this passage is it's a whole renewal of the mind. It, 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 it starts in the mind. We've got to put our minds on things above. The flesh's desire is what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. We have to understand that in our sinful nature that we're going to desire all kinds of things. And none of those things are going to bring us happiness. None of those things are going to bring us joy. Some of you are dealing with that right now. You think, if I can only, if this would only happen, or if I, as soon as I have this, or as soon as I accomplish this, it'll be all good. A renewing of the mind says, you know what? It has nothing to do with that. It's everything that I am is because of the Lord. I want to serve him. Lord, show me ways that I can serve you. Show me ways that I can get involved. What's your mind saying to you? What's your mind focused on? When John's going to work, he's having a bad day. He's praying, God, give me the answer. Some of you are going to go home from here and go back to uh, troubled marriages, and you're going to think, what can I do to, I wonder what I could do to either avoid my spouse or uh, what, what can I say, when really what you need to be praying is, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to be encouraging to them. Some of you are, having children that are wayward, and you think, man, if I could just get them uh, this person, or if I could just find them a job, or if I could just encourage them uh, this way, if, if I could just set them up, then they'll get on the right path when your prayer really needs to be, God, give me wisdom. God, I can't control this on my own, only you can help me out. Some of you are going to jobs tomorrow that you're going to go, I hate this job, I can't stand this job. If I would only have a different job, if I could only have a different career your prayer needs to be, God, use me where you have me. And see, once you get your mind there, then you're open to what the will, God's will is for your life. And that's the point number three. Our wills need to be given over as an act of worship. Our wills need to be given over as an act of worship. Look at the rest of verse two. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you simply would say, you know what, God, I, I, don't, I don't like where I'm at in life, but give me wisdom, and then look for those answers of how God can use you, things will radically change. There was a, a gentleman I know that was longing to be in ministry full time, and he had a career in banking. And he, he came to me, he said, I, I just, I'm just... Um, for, for many years, I was asking God, change my career. I hate my career. I want to be involved in ministry. He didn't understand. He wanted to be involved in ministry because so many people kept coming to his office asking about why he was so happy and what was his save, how, to, how to become saved. And then he realized it dawned on him that God had him exactly where he wanted him. And now he has a huge Bible study that he leads. See, if we set our minds on things above, we start looking for the answers. Pastor Jamie last week did a wonderful sermon on uh, worship is a two-way conversation. We are longing to know what God's plan is for our life. Every one of us can think of right now, God, give me the answer for my marriage, my spouse, my children, my careers, my health. We're longing for those answers. And when we say worship is a two-way conversation, God's speaking to us, what does that actually look like? It looks like putting our mind on things above and then looking for the answers. 
few uh, months back, I was talking with a married couple, and they were really struggling. And the the uh, we would meet every few weeks, and the the husband would tell the wife like how what he needed better or more in the relationship, how how they, she can communicate better, and she would say the same thing to him. And and what would happen is we kept coming in over the same stuff over and over and over again, and it wasn't getting any better. And I finally said, "Well, what's happening?" She said, well, I get up every morning, just like you said, Jared, I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking for God for, for wisdom here. I'm asking for direction in my marriage. I'm asking him to show me how to make this marriage better, and he's not showing up. I said, you're absolutely dead wrong. Your husband is telling you what, you need to, what he needs to see happen. You're just not looking for the answers. The answer is right in front of you. You're just not looking for it. Some of you, the answer is right in front of you. You're saying, God, use me, use me somewhere. And you come to church and we present uh, opportunities to serve. You go, man, God, use me somewhere. I just want to be used. Or, God, change my career. That's not the prayer. The prayer is that, God, you know what? You have me in this place. I don't understand, but use me where you want me. God, I don't understand why my marriage is like this, but use me where you want to use me. Present opportunities that I can encourage my spouse, encourage my children. Use me wherever you want. And you know what? The stress, the anxiety seems to float away. Because we realize God has me exactly where he wants me. Some of you say, well, I really need to find a new career. I need to find a job. God, present those opportunities in front of me and help me know. That's why I pray every, when I pray, I say, God, your will be done and not my own. Because I'm really trying to seek after him. You know, after I made that commitment, that rededication, I really started looking for the answers. And I still do to this day. Say, God, give me wisdom where to go to school. I really don't know the answer. But show me and help me to recognize it. Help me to be bold and determined to do that. God, I don't know where to live. Make it very clear to me. and Help me to be content along the way. I mean, you need to pray, God, I, I'm single. I really want to be married. God, just help me to be content. And if there's a person out there, help me to recognize it when I do. And see, once we understand that we're in his will, stress and anxiety seems to float away. That's what the, the verse is saying. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Test and approve it. Not necessarily find it out. We're testing and proving. He's already showing you, some of us, the answer is right in front of our faces. And we can say, you know what, God? My mind's focused on you. I want to use me. Use me however you want to use me. Your will be done, not my own. That's what worship is all about. It begins before it begins. It's, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's throughout the week. The only thing we can do in response, you know, I'm going to encourage you again to come tonight to praise. And we're going to give praise because of what he's done. But we worship. We live this life, a spiritual act of worship. Therefore, I urge you, why do we do that? Because of everything he's done for us. The band's going to come and we're going to sing some closing songs here. It's great in this series that we're doing some worship at the end uh, here. It's, we'll be changing that as we move forward. Uh, it'll be different next week at Urban Impact Sunday. But it's great for this series to be able to talk about worship and then have a time of worship. And as they come, let me tell you, tell you a story, and I, I'm sure I mentioned it here before, about a guy named Eddie Rickenbacker. Eddie Rickenbacker. Eddie Rickenbacker, people go, I don't know who Eddie Rickenbacker is. You wouldn't know who Eddie is unless you lived at the beach. Many, many years ago, Eddie was a guy who 
True story, he, he was a guy who would get up every morning and feed seagulls. He would throw shrimp in the air. Every morning he'd have a bucket of shrimp and throw it in the air. And uh, nobody really knew why until they asked Eddie, what in the world are you doing every morning? And to find out, Eddie was a uh, B-52 uh, pilot in World War II. True story. His uh, plane crashed in the ocean. And his crew survived. Uh, they were in a life raft and no land in sight, Eddie would say. No land in sight. And they kind of were out there. They were just going to die. No one was going to rescue them. No way to find food, nothing. And Eddie prayed, looking for an answer. And one day, Eddie fell asleep while they were all sitting in the raft, and a seagull landed on his head. True story. They didn't know where that seagull came from, miles from land, but they grabbed the seagull, they killed the seagull, they ate the seagull, and they used the seagull's leftovers to fish for other fish. They ended up surviving weeks out on this raft. And people would ask, well, Eddie, why are you on the beach feeding the seagulls? He said, well, the only thing I can really do now is live a life of thanks. I'm thanking the seagulls every day. I'll throw shrimp up in the air and say, hey, thank you. Thank you. And they once asked Eddie, they said, uh, Eddie, what was that seagull doing so far from land? He said, only God knows. Only God knows. But for whatever reason, I'm thankful. And every day as a result, I live a life of thanks. Go out and everything that I am, I'm giving thanks. And he said, you know, we're a lot like Eddie. We're a lot like himself. We have the reason to do the same. We have a Savior that came from who knows where came to us a sacrifice for us so that we can live and we like Eddie have a response to say you know what everything that we have everything that we are is in response to him so my question for you is are you living that life and would people know that when we're singing praises are you singing praises because of how you feel or because of what Christ has done when you go into your workplaces or your homes tomorrow are you, are you living a life where people go yeah you know what that person's got a lot of go- stuff going on and what a terrible home life they have or what a, what a tough financial situation or what major health problems they have but boy they have a lot of joy they have a lot of joy they must have something they must have a relationship with their heavenly father that's why I love the quote That's why I hope it impresses upon you that fruitful and acceptable worship, it begins before it begins. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thank you for the fact that you have saved us, Father. Lord, there may be one or two or three people in here who may have never given their life to you, may have been going through this life thinking I'm just earning it or I'm here because I'm trying to win points. I'm struggling. Father, help them to realize right now that you come after us, that you came from a faraway land to die for us. Oh, Father, we are so grateful. And I pray that you impress upon them now, Father, to make that commitment to you for the first time. Maybe some of us in here need to rededicate our lives. We're saying, you know what, I come and I praise, but I do not live out my life in worship. See yourself sitting in front of our Heavenly Father right now. It's as simple as praying the prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you've died for me. I know that you've because of your grace, because of your grace, Father, that I can be saved. So I ask for that grace right now. Forgive me my sin. I want to make you the Lord of my life, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. I want to make today, October 16th, the day that my whole life changed 
Thank you for saving me, Father. And Father, I thank you for those maybe one, two, ten, fifteen people in here who may have made that commitment for the first time or have rededicated their life. Oh Lord, we thank you for that. Use them mightily. Help them to be able to respond now in praise to you because of what you've done. I ask this all in your name. Amen. Will you please stand with me?